Welcome to Dog-Eared and Cracked, the podcast where we each recommend a book for the other and then play Monday Morning Quarterback. So, so Jay, you read Station Eleven, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the book. But before we get into it and what you thought about it, why don't you just introduce us a bit for people who may not know it and tell us a bit about the book and the writer, Emily St. John Mandel. So quick, uh, interesting fact, um, Emily Mandel. So apparently St. John is actually her middle name, uh, born and raised on Denman Island, which is off the coast of British Columbia. As we know, there's a main character who actually comes from an island off the coast of BC as well, Delano Island. This is actually Emily's fourth novel, and at the age of 41, and even with five novels under her belt right now, I'm sure she's eagerly awaiting a review of Station Eleven. <laughs> so I would summarize Station Eleven this way. I would say it's, it's, um, it's a novel that covers a lot of ground because it moves back and forth between the past and the current. So it's changing locations, time frames. And it's doing that to basically piece back fragments of different people's experience of the same event. So the basic premise, and I do have a nitpick, Phil, with the premise, is that a virus makes its landfall in Toronto. It's off a plane from, I believe, Georgia, Russia. And there we are basically treated to a view of the destruction of society. And it goes back in time to call it pre-virus days. And we see kind of these characters in a different world, in a different environment. And then we see them in the in the future as well under totally different situation. I, I Truth be told, I was really not in the, the right headspace or mindset for yet another post-apocalyptic story. Uh, did appreciate the idea of this, of a virus causing immense havoc worldwide. Not surprising. So, okay. Um, did, now, did you know anything about this book at all? Had you heard of it before, before I asked you to read it? No, um, had heard nothing. So I was really kind of at your whim. Okay. Why, why did you want me to read this book anyway? Why did you recommend it? <laughs> so there's a couple of reasons. So one of them is somebody suggested it to me and, um, I read it and I was just like really enthused by it. And, there were a few things. So I'd read a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff the last few years. I think I thought of myself as someone who's not really into zombie books and not really into post-apocalyptic stuff. And then I realized I'd like read a whole lot of them. And so there were a few things that I liked about Station Eleven. I liked the kind of arts angle to it, that it's not all just survival, right? And I just found it really, and it really built this world that was very compelling. And it, it like, you didn't want to be a part of it because it was dystopian, but um, it just felt so real to me. And and honestly, um, part of it is I thought you, I, I suspected that you might not like it, <laughs> <laughs> or or it might be the kind of book that you would not be likely to pick up on your own, or you might start and be like, oh, Jesus. So I was kind of curious about whether you were going to like it as well. I, uh, uh, spoiler alert, I thoroughly enjoyed it um, for many, many reasons. But essentially, I like how you commented on it's kind of a world building because all stories kind of build a universe. 
And this one was particularly interesting for me because it laid out the stages of, call it destruction, the stages of decline. When a virus hits, when, when, when mankind starts to, to peter out and new societies grow up. But there's a, there's a particular uh, section where they are in the airport terminal. Do you recall that? Yeah, near the end. Yeah, just page by page, section by section, it kind of lays out how people go from hopping off a plane, puzzled, um, really in surprise, and then as they slowly adjust that environment, how everything starts to break down. But even there's a really great little line there about how they break into the Mexican restaurant and somebody there insists on leaving a credit card at the cash. It's kind of like the last vestige of, of um, responsibility before everything kind of starts to evolve into something completely different. And, and of course, then it winds up becoming the museum, right? The airport or part of the airport. Yes. Yes. And that's uh, um, one of my favorite parts of this book was how, and I describe it, it's kind of a hackneyed expression, but really they were pieces of a puzzle. And once you started to realize that as you're reading through it, it became really even more entertaining because you knew that as each section on the surface seemed to introduce characters who are different, new, or sequences that seem unrelated to anything else, you knew you got comfortable with the idea that throughout the book, that would the truth would be known and, and everything would kind of fit into the larger picture. So I really enjoyed that kind of way of writing. So did and, and what did you think about the, the the King Lear stuff? I I enjoyed that part. I, I have to admit the first chapter or two, and you always kind of have to invest a little bit of time. But the first chapter I was reading through it, a lot of characters are thrown at you. Um, I'm not familiar with the play, so I wasn't sure who they were referring to, whether it was the actor's real name. Um, but I did kind of enjoy that. And of course, there's a connection later on in the, in the novel with that, where the um, traveling troupe of, of survivors goes from town to town, putting on Shakespearean plays. Yeah. And I, I, I have to confess, I only, and we'll talk about Lear later, I guess, but I've only... Um, seen one production of King Lear and it was like 20 years ago and I hadn't actually read the play. So even the, the idea that the little girls on stage were unusual was something I hadn't realized until I read her author's, her author's note about it at the end. My nitpick <laughs> okay. that I'd like to put out there is that the virus is not realistic. It's, it's too virulent. It's too virulent. It's too fast. So if you had a virus that was killing people within 12 hours, it would, it would, the, the virus would eradicate itself quite quickly and would not spread. It would not be able to spread on a global basis. Now, I'm no immunologist or virologist or arguably I'm not even virulent, but... <laughs> The, uh, I do. I did find that kind of interesting. Now I understand for story purposes it, it worked quite well. But so that's essentially it. So we see them. We see an actor 
die on the in the first chapter. He's performing King Lear. He turns out to be a pivotal character in the story, which is interesting because he's passed away in the first chapter. But we go back in time to meet him. And part of the book that I actually really resonated with me, and it shows up a couple of times, either explicitly or just in the storyline itself. But it's this concept of people's lives connecting with with, with each other's lives and how things evolve. So they use an example of how everybody that's involved in having a package delivered to your door. Or one of the characters is Jeevan and his brother Frank ends up paralyzed from a bullet in Afghanistan. But the way in the passage describes it is everybody who's involved in that and all the, all the events that need to take place and the confluence of those events that all culminate with him getting shot. And it's an interesting story that way. And again, with the main character, and it's kind of his connection to everybody else in that novel that makes the story. So even though he's dead in the first chapter, his legacy kind of lives on that way. Right. And there's all these threads with all these people connected to him in different ways, right? That's right. Yeah. To me, that was one of the appeals. I really enjoyed reading the book from that basis. There's a... Um, Station Eleven refers to this idea of uh, graphic novels. What did you think of that? I wanted to read it. <laughs> I was like, is anybody <laughs> going to publish Station Eleven? It reminded me of like a Doc Savage or something like that. And it just brought back these memories of being a kid and really enjoying comic books. Right. So, Miranda. The first wife of Arthur, yes. Right. So, I mean, I... I thought it was really interesting how she works an office job and she's creating this incredible graphic novel that kind of builds this other world within the world. And that then you wind up finding these comics, you know, in the future storyline 20 years from now, like the way that all tied together. And, 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 um, and I, I think one of the things for me with this book was just the way she had thought through how everything falls apart, kind of one step at a time, like this is gone and then that's gone. And I mean, it's obviously your experience of reading this during a pandemic is going to be kind of different from mine reading it a year or two ago. And I've been thinking about that a lot. You know, the whole realizing that what seemed like new information or what seemed like normal this week was completely not normal 10 days ago, right? So um, we went to Florida in early March. And a few days after we came back, we were not required to self-isolate at that point. And a few days after that, I went to Costco and it was packed. And, um, you know, they sanitized the carts on the way in, but, and I was kind of paranoid the whole the whole idea of going there it all just seems completely you know like absurd like how could i even have thought that was a good idea and so it's not the same in station 11 but i think it kind of captured that ongoing all the little things that we don't often see in this kind of literature like where do you get your insulin or i was thinking like what happens if i get a kidney stone like i'm screwed right yeah i think there was even um reference to that where somebody got a uh cut or something i i really enjoyed kind of that that sequencing that the way she 
put a, quite a bit of effort into this idea of, of what that would actually look like in terms of how the societies would run. Um, I would have enjoyed a little more uh, illumination on how that would actually work for a lot of this. Um, I did find there's a whole interesting passage there where Jeevan is with his brother Frank in the apartment and how they just stay there with really no place to go. And that was just, you know, it, it was sad to read it. Um, at the same time, I, I, I understand what you're saying. It, it's for me reading this now, I was able to connect probably a little better in the sense that I've been forced to give some of these ideas already thought. Um, I've seen my own world change. I've seen others' worlds change in ways that neither you nor I really expected this back in the beginning of March. And now it's changing again, even as we speak. And arguably we live in a culture of fear these days and fear and tension. And that's starting to change. And eventually the, we will begin to normalize ourselves. But this book kind of captures that. It captures this idea that nothing is, is, is certain everything is is up for change um and what it does to people and how some people react fairly well others don't some people survive and others don't as well what do you think about um the storyline is there anything you would have changed i don't think so but i i tend to kind of it, it's rare unless there's something i really dislike it's rare that i'll kind of think the writer should have done this instead or i i was going to ask you actually though because the new york times had a review of station 11 that took it to task for not being violent enough and, and that they weren't all like out for themselves. And that was something she talked about in her author's note where she said she wanted to show, or maybe it, was, maybe it wasn't in the author's note, but she did address that somewhere that she said enough time had passed that you wouldn't continue to be in this, you know, survival, violent, you know, hunker down everyone for themselves sort of state that you'd reach some kind of equilibrium. And that's what, you know, she was trying to capture. And um, I, I, I found I was... I was kind of irritated by that Times review. So I just wondered, I don't know if you read that, but I wondered what you thought of that. Well, I haven't, I haven't read that Times review. That's, that's interesting. That idea that the book wasn't violent enough. I, I did look at it from that perspective in the sense of, uh, was it realistic? And I would, I would like to think that I don't think we know for certain. So we've been, inundated by the Walking Dead series, zombie movies, where everyone is out for themselves. Man basically declines to a primal behavior where he's really just robbing, taking what he can. It becomes survival of the fittest. But at the end of the day, when you think about it, mankind and human beings as, as a species, we've evolved through cooperation. And we've we've raised ourselves up from basically living like animals to where we are today, really through cooperation with other, other human beings. 
So I kind of like to believe that her alternative version of what a a post-apocalyptic world would look like is actually feasible, that people can start to cooperate with each other, that they would out of necessity because it would far, be far more efficient than gaining what you need through violent means. Well, and there's been a bunch of people who've written stuff in our current situation about that too, right? Saying, um, you know, we had all these like prepper fantasies of, you know, I'll, but, but like the reality is people sewing masks for each other and, you know, you know like finding I, there's, there's a, there's a writer, she's from Montreal originally called Cecil Castellucci. Um, and, you know, she said something about how she was trading books for sourdough starter, right? Like there's, there's a lot of that mutual aid stuff to tell me what, you know, what did you, when you, you talked in the beginning about how you didn't think it was going to appeal to you. And, and, you know, we, we have this uh, rating system that, that I love that you came up with. So why don't you take us through the rating system and tell us, you know, explain the rating system and then tell us what, how you rated it after the first few pages. And then by the time you were done. Absolutely. The rating scale that I think we've come up with here is, it's it, one to one one to five stars so five stars being call it full throttle it pulls you in doesn't let you go it's a page turner you're just flipping through it just wanting to see what happens next four stars it's, it's gripping three stars it's it's plotting it's starting it's starting to your mind starts to wander um, you're starting to remember that maybe it's recycling day on Tuesday and you're not sure if you took it out. Two stars is meandering. Plot's kind of going every, every which way but loose. And one star is uh, it's just flat. And you're constantly flipping to the end of the book to see how many pages are left to endure. So with that kind of scale, I would say after the first one or two chapters, I was around uh, three and a half. Uh, it moved, it, it engaged me, but I wasn't captivated. But by the end of the book, I would give it a four. And for its genre, I think it's a four and a half. So well, tell me about that. Why, it gets one rating overall and one rating for its genre? I would, I would say so because the genre itself isn't my favorite genre. Um, but what I did like about it is it provided a different more creative view of the future and it structured the book and she structured the book in a way that actually made it almost like some type of Agatha Christie novel where every clue is on a different chapter and then finally they everything gets pieced together at the end so I that's why I would give it four and a half for that genre now if we're talking about books overall that's why I kind of have to limit it back down to a four I just think there's other books out there that are probably a little, um, little higher rated. You know, it's interesting you said that because I was thinking, you know, I, I went through a period of reading a lot of zombie books and I'm trying to remember the title of it now, but there was one that was known as this kind of more literary one and I hated it. And what, what, what about it did you not like? It was just really tedious and 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 it seemed like i'm i'm going to have to look up the name but it seemed like it was attempting to be overly literary 
And I think one of the things about Station Eleven is it is literary, but it's not tediously literary, right? It, it's 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 a it's a good story. It's not hung up on her trying to show you what a good writer she is. Yeah, there's not pages of descriptive prose, and I'm all about understanding kind of the scenario, understanding where that character finds themselves. But a few well placed choice words is really all it takes for me to understand kind of that it's. It's morning. I mean, there's a really nice passage. I'm quote, trying to quote from memory here, but it, and I had to look this up because I was actually interested. And um, amazingly enough, or perhaps not amazing, is there's a website, a web page that's basically all about the road to um, what was the name of the place? Deborah by the River. Sent Deborah by the River. Right. The author of this blog has actually gone through the trouble of trying to identify if these are real towns or not. And so she follows their journey with um, through Google. But I, there's a passage there where I actually did look it up because I was curious about this. And on the northern peninsula, there's a bridge that goes over. And there's a long passage there about how one of the characters looks out and sees the sky falling away and shrouded in mist and, and it's a beautiful section and that's all i need it was about a paragraph and that's all i need and there's not that many of them in the book and to me that to your point i think made made for really enjoyable reading so do you have any any final thoughts on station 11 before we leave it so one of the one of the questions that i think everybody likes to to ask themselves um is would this book be made into a movie should it be made into a movie? Should it be a Netflix series? So I would answer the question this way. I would say, yes, this book could be made into a movie, but it absolutely should not. It's the kind of book that relies on the imagination of the reader to fill in those blanks. And if you start to present that world, even with the use of CGI or a large scale budget, I think it'll just take away from that magic. You know, there is a, a series in production. No, on this Station Eleven. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and it's interesting because when it was announced, I saw someone saying, on the one hand, I'm really excited. And on the other, I'm really worried they're just going to screw it up. That is one series where I ref I will refuse to watch it because I just I just know I'm going to be disappointed. I don't know how you would do that. It, it's and the characters will never look like what I imagine them to be. I would be willing to bet there's more uh, survivalist violence on TV. There might be. Nobody listens to us anyway, do they? <laughs> so, what are your final thoughts on this book? Oh yeah, I guess that my final thought would be that I am curious about her new book. So and apparently because it's totally different also, so I'm just I'm just curious to see what uh what she's come up with. And I did notice that on Twitter she said, "Don't worry, there's no pandemic content in my new novel. I don't think anyone even gets a cold." I would thank you for for introducing me to it. I don't think I need to read another one of her books, but I think this one was was perfect. 